Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan. So you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I want to help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. I am the product of the knowledge business. I'm probably one of the largest products in the world because there is no limit to what you can become by educating yourself. Self-education is the game. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small-town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? <laughs> no way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Tony Robbins is viewed through many different lenses. They range from dedicated diehard devotees who have experienced his methods firsthand and have had the massive life changes to show for it. Some have seen or heard about his style from a distance and have quietly decided that Tony just isn't for them. And others stand in outright objection. And everyone's opinion is totally worthy based on their own experiences and beliefs. And trust me, I have heard and read many assessments of Tony, the sparkling and the not-so-shiny personal, professional, journalistic, and, well, other accounts. Yes, even those ones. So how do I assess Tony? First, from a business standpoint. After all, this is a business and entrepreneurial podcast, and Tony is an objectively brilliant person in business. He's helped me transform my own business. I've learned from him online, in masterminds, and through our conversation on the Gold Digger podcast last year. But also, there's a big reason this guy is so successful, and it's not just his business acumen. He's undeniably charismatic and big-time energetic. He dials into your potential and gifts within 15 seconds of talking to you and boldly encourages you to seek and draw them out. And he can make you feel like you're the only and the most special person in the room. Even in rooms of 10,000 people, he just has this mega motivational, you can do this effect on people. And it goes beyond the sold out events and the billion dollar companies. This past year, I've spent time in his presence and something I admire is his unwavering, undivided attention and energy in who he is with and in all that he does. 
But I still had a few lingering questions for Tony, and those are the ones I'm asking him today. There are so many reasons I'm welcoming him back to the Gold Digger podcast for the second time, but the main reason is that his business accolades make him an entirely qualified guest on the show dedicated to business and entrepreneurial advice. And honestly, based on what I've seen and experienced, I trust the guy. I know he's not for everyone. Tony knows he's not for everyone. And sometimes his advice, it isn't even for me. While I trust him, I don't blindly take and run with the business advice from anyone, not even Tony Robbins. But I will always seek out the opportunity to learn from people who are different from myself, who approach their businesses differently than I approach my own. I am thrilled to share this conversation with you. We get into the man beyond the titles. I ask his advice for identifying the valuable gifts that you've got bottled up inside and for evaluating mentors and educators. We talk about the knowledge business and what the future looks like for online educators like us. And I challenge him. Why the heck hasn't he retired yet? The answer was in such contrast to what I believe is a lifestyle entrepreneur, and yet it still stirred something inside of me. Are you ready to listen in on a chat with his brilliant business mind? Let's go. All right. Well, Mr. Tony, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have you back on the show. Well, I'm so excited to be with you again. Bula Bula from Fiji. (laughs) I know, right? That was honestly one of the highlights of our year last year. And I was just thinking about all those memories. It was just incredible. Such an amazing space you've created. Thank you. Well, I, I, in the space there, it, it nurtures me too. And I was so happy to bring all of you guys there, but also happy to kind of go deep with everybody because you're all, you know, all you and your affiliates there, your associates or competitors, I guess you would say, but it was more <laughs> of a cooperative group. You know, everybody there is really looking to make a difference. It isn't that typical dog eat dog environment, although you're quite a competitor woman. I know you had a thousand <laughs> human beings lives you touched last year. I'm very grateful to you. And I, you know, I know you've seen the impact in their lives and I'm, I'm so proud of what we've all done together. Yeah. Amazing. So Tony, my goal today is to ask you some of the questions that people might not ask you because you are one of the most interviewed and coveted interviewed men in the world. And so to kick this off, because we usually start with a bio that has a lot of titles and numbers and things. I want to know who is Tony Robbins beyond all of that? Well, first, thanks for having me on again. I know I was your first male year for this group. And ladies, if you're listening, thank you so much for keeping an open mind to a man giving some feedback too. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I'm just, I'm just a man who loves people. I've been obsessed my whole life with, you know, I, I think my primary question in life is how can I help, you know? And so it takes all kinds of forms. But early in my life, I grew up in a really tough environment. And so I know what it feels like to have so much suffering, not having enough food to eat, not, you know, not knowing you know, whether or not you're going to get physically beat. And my mother was a, just a beautiful soul, but when she drank alcohol and took prescription drugs, she became a different being. And so I really had to learn. And, and because I had so much suffering, I, my whole life is about ending suffering and more importantly, lighting people up and showing them solutions to change their life. So I've been obsessed. This is my 43rd year of beginning this. I started when I was two, of course, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> literally it's my 43rd year. I'm going to be six years old. I started when I was 17 and I'm my obsession was just like, how can I help? What are the tools? I set a goal when I was 14 years old and 15 years old. You know, I, I started when I was 14, but I really crystallized when I was 16. And it was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. You know, in my 
20s, I want to be able to learn the tools that could help any human being, help any human being that really wanted to change their life physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. It was a, it was a big goal. If they were committed, and if I was committed, I want to be able to help them. I wanted to learn the tools that could do that. And I didn't know what they were. I just knew I wanted to be able to help. And then I found in my 30s, I want to do that with small groups of people. In my 40s, big groups. In my 50s, I wanted to do that with businesses. And in my 60s, which I'm now about to hit, I said, you know, I, my life has always been a spiritual path. Path, but I, I might formalize that or I might serve in government. And so I'm still deciphering that. I'm not rolling through all the, but I serve government from the outside now. But what I tend to do now is what makes me go is that same impact. So yes, I do it in all my events and your body, your mind, your emotions, relationships, finance, business, all those subjects matter, the things that matter most. But also, you know, what I'm most proud of now is, you know, I think you know my story. When I was 11, I had no food and, yeah. and somebody came and fed our family and that process changed me. And so I fed 42 million people up until five years ago. And then I was writing, you know, Money Master the Game. I'm interviewing, you know, 50 of the smartest people on earth financially, you know, all self-made billionaires, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, Ray Dalio, Carl Icahn, the biggest in the world. And I'm watching the same time the Congress, you know, nobody even paid attention, you know, get rid of, uh, I think it was $8 billion in what used to be called food stamps, the SNAP program. And I was like, this is insane. So I called my team and then I said, how many people have I fed in my lifetime? I started feeding two and then four and then eight. It's just like the way you built your business. You know, you bite your camera and look at you now. You're, you're a mogul. And so I grew to the point where at that point they told me it was 42 million people. So I thought, what if I fed 50 million people in a year? And then I got more excited because it's like your goals, you can outrun your goals. You're going to outrun the goals you have right now because mm-hmm. the track you're on is like, okay, what would excitement is like, what if it was a hundred million people? What if I had fed a billion people in 10 years? That was five years ago. And two weeks ago, we had a half a billion meals in five years. So we're perfectly on target. But also, you know, like I've, for the last five years, I've been involved. You know, most people don't know that slavery, there are more people enslaved today than any time in human history, not a larger percentage, but a larger number. And 80% of those are young girls that get stolen and taken from their families here in the United States and all over the world. So I work with the Underground Railroad there, and I've actually gone out in, I I can't tell you the cities because I was literally in movie makeup because I didn't want blowback on my family. And we catch, you know, these guys are former SEAL Team 6, FBI, CIA. We teach the local authorities how to catch these bastards and then free these children and rehabilitate these children. I personally have been responsible for over 4,000 of these kids Again, like 80% of them are children. Some of them, honey, are 9 and 10 years old. It is the most insane thing you've ever seen. And and it's not something anybody wants to talk about. In fact, we just made a movie that's going to be extraordinary called The Sound of Freedom about the gentleman who started this. It's You'll you'll see it'll be out there. But it's like, you know, I found a man who needed eye surgery and when I was in India. And then that led to providing 100 people with eye surgeries. Now I'm going to do 1,000. You know, just those are the things that excite me at this point. You know, I was in India and you see these children dying of, you know, waterborne disease. And it's the easiest thing in this world to solve, but nobody pays attention. So right now we're providing 250,000 people a day, quarter million people a day with fresh water. Myself personally, I'm gathering my friends and we're going to make it a million people a day in the next two years. So these are the things that excite me. So beyond some titles or events or, you know, all those things. And, you know, and then I got like, I'm flying here to go to, to work with Conor McGregor, you know, to coach him for the UFC fight. I've, yeah. you know, I've worked with every living president. So I've got a lot of diversity. I work in prison. So 
I'm here to help. That's what really drives me. And I'm, I'm obsessed with finding out answers. And I, you know, my whole education has been self-educated because you're not limited, especially in the world where today you can learn anything and you can learn to master it and you can learn from the best people on earth. And so I've just, I just keep learning and growing and sharing. And that's, that's the driving force of my life is to make a difference. Ugh. I love that you talk about self-education because I just think that's the direction the world is going. And that's the movement that you and I are behind. And I think one of my biggest questions when I meet you and when I see you and when I hear that like passion in you, I want to know how did you know and trust that you had something unique to offer the world? Like when did that actually sink in? Because I feel like so many people go their whole life waiting to feel ready or valuable or enough and they miss their shot. I think, you know, there's not usually just one seminal moment. I found like people look for that. Yeah. There's a starting point. I, I know the starting point. I was in high school. I was in junior high school. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I had four fathers. And the one father that I was close to, the last one who adopted me, was a semi-pro baseball player. And so I loved him so much. And, you know, I started really late. I was no good. <laughs> I was slow. I was small. Believe it or not, I was 5'1 in high school. I'm now 6'7". I tell people the difference is personal growth, right? But sincerely, I was, I was a little guy, not that talented, but I hustled my butt off. But when I didn't make the junior high school, <laughs> you know, uh, baseball team, I got caught in the last cut. And the science teacher was the teacher. And I was really good in science. I was like the star pupil in science. Like, I want to figure things out. I was like, oh, my God. So I thought I'll be a sportscaster. So I learned to type and I learned I was the only boy in a shorthand class. So I could take shorthand because I was like committed. And I was planning. I was that, that's what I was going to do. I was going to go to USC and become a sportscaster, sports writer, you know, that type of thing. And then my life changed because I took a, a speaking class. I just, you know, it was an elective and I had no focus on speaking, but there was a cheerleader there, <laughs> cheerleader Nancy Coleman. Girls, you don't know the impact you have on men's careers <laughs> and ladies. Um, but I was totally in love with this woman. I was a sophomore. She was a senior and I wanted her attention. And I was pretty funny. And so I would get her attention. I would disrupt class at a level you can't imagine. I had this teacher named Mr. Cobb. He was like super straight lace, you know, 50 style disciplinary and intense guy. And he said, Robbins, I will see you after class, Mr. Robbins. Uh -oh. like, oh, <laughs> so I thought, oh, I know why I'm here. He goes, so do you, you know why you're here? You know why I want to meet with you? And I was like, yeah, you know, the girls and disrupting. And he goes, no. He said, I don't think you realize what your ability is. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, Mr. Robbins, I've taught here for 32 years. I have never seen any human being stand up with high school students with no notes, look them in the eye and pierce their souls about anything you're talking about. He said, you have such a passion and a depth and an energy. You have a gift. And I just looked at him like he was insane. And he said, listen, I know more about your life than you think I do. And he said, I know that you're, you got kicked out of your house. And he goes, I know about your mother and all your father's. And he goes, but none of that matters. He said, I have a speech here that I read years ago that I think is your life story. And he said, I want you to read it. And if you like it, I want you to memorize it. And I want you to go compete in persuasive oratory at this big conference. I said, but I'm a sophomore. You got to be a junior or senior. He goes, doesn't matter. I'm going to just, I'm going to enter you in. And I went home and read this little article or the speech called The Will to Win. Uh, and it was all about like the only thing that matters in the end is that unbelievable will to never, ever give up and to find a way to serve something greater than yourself. And I cried my eyes out. I, I get tears in my eyes right now, even thinking about it, to get him sad, that moving to me. And so I absorbed the speech because it was me. And I went out and I competed and I won first place in this regional competition. And then I won a national competition. And then from then on, it's just like I said, you know, it's like 
I don't get up to give a speech. Like people say, and I think a lot of people when they're trying to start a business, especially in the knowledge business, they're afraid how they're going to come across. I always tell people the reason I'm effective is I'm not a speaker. I'm not trying to be perfect or elegant. I'm like you, Jenna. I'm real. And what I do is I just come from my soul and I don't talk about anything that A, I don't really research and know, and B, that I'm not passionate about. And I don't think about how I'm coming across. I watch the audience. I live to serve them. And because that, they you can't fake that especially when I'm on stage for 40 hours in a weekend. And so he opened that door for me. And then there are many, you know, steps along the way where you start to realize you have, you know, more ability because, you know, I learned NLP, learned linguistic programming. And I, I, I took on, you know, a man who, you know, the first one was a woman who had a snake phobia. And I, you know, I challenged a psychiatrist on radio, national radio in Canada and said, I'll handle it in, you know, in 20 minutes, you know, 15 minutes, you know, an hour max. And, you know, the person been working with her for seven years and I did it successfully. And so then I, I realized, hey, I, I've, I've got a skill here. And then, yeah. you know, and then it grows. I turned some athletes around, you know, an Olympic athlete in 1984. That's how old I am when they had the LA Olympics. I was there and I hope this guy wasn't supposed to even qualify. And he won the gold medal. And then, you know, then it led to, you know, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, you know, President Clinton. It just grew and grew and grew. You know, when you're standing there and you're 31 years old, the President of the United States, and I'm at Camp David, and we're, it's snowing, and he and I are walking through the woods, and he's telling me what he can't do. And I'm going, holy, the President of the United States <laughs> is just a man. And I'm 31 here coaching the President of the United States. You know, each stage, you know, people think that, like, just one day you wake up and you're there. It's stages. But, but I want to say this. I've always made myself do it when I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like I was enough. I didn't feel I had that certainty. But what I did is I, I remember reading the book, the first book I bought when I was kicked out of my house and I was literally working as a janitor making 40 bucks a week. And my mom kept my 1960 Volkswagen iron 40 bucks a week. And I got in this bus and I went to this spiritual bookstore and I bought with all the little cash I had left this little book called The Magic of Believing by Claude in Bristol. And he talked about programming your mind. And, and, you know, I, I remember I was living in this laundry room at this friend of mine's house. They let me stay in their laundry room outside in the garage. It was freezing out there. And I, on the mirror where they wash things, I used soap and I put these goals on there and I made these posters that said, you know, only a loser is depressed because I was depressed, but I wasn't a loser, you know, and I would do these incantations, not an affirmation, Jenna, you know, like people think of affirmations, like I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. You know, your brain goes, you're not happy. But an incantation to me is when you engage your entire nervous system, your mind, your body, your emotions, your intensity. And I would for hours do these things. You know, I now command my subconscious mind to direct me in helping as many people as possible. They give me the strength, the emotion, the persuasion, the humor, the brevity, whatever it takes to show these people and get these people to change their life now. I know it today. I'm 60. I did this when I was 17. I've done it my entire life before I go on stage. I don't hope that it's going to be there. And I would do that for hours. I would do you know, I was broke. And I was like, God's wealth is circulating my life. His wealth flows to me in avalanches of abundance. All my needs, desires, and goals are met instantaneously by infinite intelligence. For I'm one with God and God is everything. Amen. I would do that for an hour on a jog over and over again to literally, I was brimming with certainty because when two people meet, if there's respect, if there's rapport, if there's caring, you, can, you can't just get in somebody's face. But if you really care and people have a connection with you, Whoever's most certain is going to eventually influence the other person. They're either going to influence you what they can do, or you influence what they can. And so I decided my job as a leader, leadership is not something you're born with. Leadership is a skill. It is the skill to influence, but it comes from a place of wanting to serve because you can't fake that. And if you do it long enough, people get it. They feel that it's real. 
I mean, I have a friend that I've, I've been friends with 30 years and he told me what convinced him. He came to the seminar was, and in those days, you know, there were no casual Fridays. There was no casual every day like it is now. Everybody wore a suit to work. And th- so I'm doing, if you can imagine a firewalk, you know, for 12 hours on stage and a three-piece suit and tie. And he said, I'm jumping. And he said, this is all bold. And he said, he remembered my tie. He said, it started at the top getting, you know, wet. And then it got all the way about three quarters way down. I thought, well, that mother, you know what, can jump if I can give us all. Maybe I can jump a few times, you know? It's like, you just can't fake it. And what I really believe has made you successful, Janet, I think what makes the women that you coach, I think they gravitate to you because you're real and you're raw and you're sincere. And there is no replacement for that. You don't have to worry about being perfect or being right. What you have to worry about is, do I have something? Can I find things of value? And can I bring them to people in the most sincere and honest way? And if you do that day after day and constantly improve, it's like I always tell people, most people just, they overestimate what they're going to do in a year. I used to do that all the time. These huge goals and be disappointed. But they underestimate what they can do in a decade. And some people go, a decade? Trust me, the tech, 10 years will surely arrive, as Jim Rohn used to say to me. He said, the question is, where will you be when that 10 years happens? Because you're going to snap your fingers, it's going to be there. And as you know, you're a young lady, but as the years go by, it feels like time goes by faster. It's like, you know, if you're looking at one of those hourglasses, you know, you flip them over like, you know, and you see the sands going in. And, you know, when there's less there, it looks like it's going <laughs> faster. So yes. I say to people, don't wait, man. Just get, ladies, get yourself out there. And but what I would say is you got to program it. I created this Tony Robbins guy. I wasn't. I didn't just show up this way. I conditioned myself to be this man over and over and over again until I became that person. It was always me, but the level of certainty that I can execute with, it's like an athlete. You see a great athlete, what makes them great is they pick that ball and they know it's going in the hoop. They know they're taking it across the touchdown. Anybody who doesn't have that knowledge is not going to get there. And that knowledge is like a muscle that you condition. And I've seen you do it just in the year I've known you. I've watched you increase even in this time period. And people, you keep growing. And I think that's why you know, you're able to still touch the people you're able to touch. That's amazing. And thank you so much. I think what's incredible about knowledge is its power. And one of the things that I really took away from our time in Fiji, especially as the only woman there, is that a lot of times there's just so much information out there these days, right? Like we are bombarded by information everywhere and mentors and you looking at your career and the people whose lives you've touched, but also the people who have poured into you. I think one gift that women have is this gift of intuition and kind of knowing like, yes, this yes. serve me and know this, I should let go. And I, I really took that away from Fiji because it was really clear to me when I was hearing different things going on. I'm like, yep, this works for me. No, this doesn't. And I want to know what kind of advice do you have for people nowadays who are seeking the answers and kind of looking externally and taking on all different mentors through podcasts and all different things How do you discern what is right for you and what you need to let go of? That's a great question. I don't know if the right answer for it. I'll tell you what my answer has been for me. First of all, I have to first comment, we're drowning in information now, right? It's like we're starving for wisdom, but we're drowning information. So being a critical thinker and using your intuition are now more important than any other time in history because, you know, you don't even know what's true anymore when you go on the web. It's the wild, wild west times 10. So my view is, Going and checking everybody out is the right thing to do. I mean, I, I'm constantly, I'm still learning. I'm still finding different people in different ways and different mentors. I, 
Uh, there's a guy named Sad Guru, who's an interesting guy from India. And, you know, I'm not looking for a guru, but he has some really beautiful insights. And yeah. uh, just recently we connected and we had lunch. And at the end of that, I was like, okay, I want to try some of the meditation processes you're doing. Well, it's like, but I'm not looking for one person. And I'm, I'm not here to be somebody's guru. I mean, I, my documentary has that title because it's like, that's, that's, I'm not here. I'm just here to be a friend and a teacher. I'm not saying I have all the right answers for people. And my style might not be the right style. But I'm a result of going to so many different areas. But I think most people, and I know women do, have large bullshit meters today. We've all seen so much bullshit that if you just listen to your intuition, but I'll give you one more piece. Make sure they're getting the result. I've learned from my teacher, Jim Rohn, when I was just 17 years old, success leaves clues. I'm not interested in what you can tell me. I'm not interested in how smart you are. It's like, you know. I've had so many people, I've spoken at Harvard Business School multiple times over the years. And, you know, there's supposedly going to be 100 people there, 200 people there. And we filled it up with 1,500 people to the maximum there. I'm supposed to speak for an hour. I spoke for three hours. Nobody left. I attacked the institution in some ways, not directly just saying, listen, you know, a bunch of you guys voted not to release your transcripts. I said, that's democracy. But I, I said, it's insane. I'll never hire you. You don't want anybody to know somebody else's grades are better than you. I said, I didn't go to Harvard. I respect that you got here. But let me just tell you. I said, if you voted for that, I said, you're never going to succeed in life because in life outside this school, you're going to be judged by results. So I look for who is getting the highest result. And in my life, even when I had no money, I would save the money. I would go, you know, I'm, I'm from the school in the time when there was no internet. That's how old I am. I used to go down to this place in Los Angeles. It was run by this man named Mario who had collected every audio program you can imagine. And in those days, six cassettes cost 300 bucks. That was a program. You couldn't go on YouTube and watch a million things for free. But that also made me value it differently. So the answer to your question is, check out everything. But before you spend too much time buying into a theory, see if the person is a promoter or where the person has gotten results. And so in my beginning, I hadn't have a ton of results. So I started out kind of as a knowledge broker. Like Jim Rohn was my original teacher. And I thought this man has answers. I'm using some of them. I've read a zillion books. I know a lot of them, but I'm not producing what he is. So I wanted to bring people to him. So I was like, I, that's how I started out. I was this broker. I'd get people to come to his seminars. But then as the years went by, I kept learning and growing and expanding. And then I became a reporter. Like, you know, even today, I, you know, five years ago, I've been coaching Paul Tudor Jones, one of the top 10 financial traders in the world for 24 years. He hasn't lost money in 24 years. He's one of the most brilliant people in the world and, and a huge philanthropist. He created Robinhood, which is the number one you know, nonprofit organization in all of New York City. It takes care of people at an incredible level. But listen, I learned so much along the way with these guys but I, even as much as I knew, I said, I want to help people financially. I'm going to interview 50 of the smartest people in the world. And I convinced myself I could get to them. And I did. I got interviews with people I hadn't spoken in 10 years to anybody. And I learned what they knew. And then I taught it to everybody else. And I had a, it wasn't my knowledge. It was their knowledge. But I was able to share it. And now I own that knowledge. And I, I took my companies from doing, you know, $50, $100 million. Now I do $6 billion a year with my 54 companies. And it's just from applying what I learned from those people. So I started out saying, first, who do I trust? I want somebody who's getting results. I want somebody's results and I want somebody, I don't, they don't have to be the same as me. I don't have to like everything about them. They don't have to be a perfect person. There's no such thing. But in this area, they're the best. I want to learn the best. I want to learn how to compress decades into days. I want to see who took them 10 years to figure something out. Can I learn what took them 10 years from them? And I don't have to waste 10 years. They learned it already. Learn it in six months, in six days, in six weeks, in six hours. That became an obsession. Then, okay, I'm going to promote those people, the ones I love, because I want other people to have this experience. Then it's like, let me learn from those people and report on them. And now at this stage, 
I am that expert, right? So now, I, you know, I have the privilege of traveling the earth and, you know, my average seminar now is like 12,000 people. You know, I've got, I've got one this year with 85,000 people in a football stadium. You know, last year we had 35,000. I mean, it's like, idiot, and I get to do all the subjects. I'm not like Mr. Just Spiritual or Just Emotional or Just Financial or Just Business because I found the best in all those areas. So I am the product of the knowledge business. I'm probably one of the largest products in the world because self-education is the game. And if people understand we're living in the greatest time in human history, and I don't care, man, woman, boy, girl, I don't care what color, I don't care what religion, I don't care what country in the world, if there's freedom, at least, there is no limit to what you can become by educating yourself. And if you want to get in as a business, that's, you know, that's what I've been doing for so many years. That's why when Dean and I got together and Dean said, you know, I'd love to share with other people how we do this. And I'd say, well, if you're going to do that, you have to build a system. It can't just be a seminar, just can't be telling them. It has to be something they can do a little bit each day. And we need the software to do things. You know, today you can do things that used to take me like months to do and cost me a fortune. You can do in seconds today. And I so said, we can take the best of our 60 years of combined experience and give people a blueprint of the knowledge business because it's growing, Jenna. You know, it's literally almost a half a billion dollars a day. Forbes says in five years, it's going to be a billion dollars a day business. Right now, it's 166 billion a year of knowledge business. And people all over are saying, look, the education system is broken. So I don't want to learn from somebody who's a good talker. They've been there for 30 years and they're teaching me outdated information. Teach me someone who's doing it right now. Teach me somebody who cuts hair and makes a quarter of a million dollars a year instead of 40,000 like the average. Mm -hmm. How do they do that? And so we show people how to do that. And now they make more than a quarter million. They make a million dollars a year and they're helping other people make a difference. And those people now start to make a hundred or 200,000. And there's so much joy, like screw the money. Yeah. You've made a lot of money. I've made a lot of money. What's so amazing is when people's worlds open up, when all of a sudden they're free, like I'm talking to you through Skype and you, I'm in Palm Beach in my home. You're in Hawaii having a good time with your family and you're making a difference in people's lives while you're sitting on the beach. Yeah. I mean, that's because you've done the work. You educated yourself. Oh, I think it's so incredible too how you talk about just choosing different mentors because it's actually funny. A lot of people question me and they're like, why do you have male mentors in your life? And for me, I don't need someone to teach me the head and the heart. Like I have that yes. down pat, but I want the systems. And so yes. what's been so incredible to me, especially being challenged by you and Dean in this past year, I mean, we kind of look like the odd trio, you know, like what is going on here? But what I love is that we can challenge one another. We can push back. We all lead in different ways. But I can't get the systems that you guys have developed over decades if I don't invest in that, in time, in knowledge, in questioning. And so I love that you talk about that because I think a lot of times we're trying to find leaders who look exactly like us and we're never challenged to grow. I agree with you. And listen, I know your audience is all female. I'm privileged to be on here with you as a male, especially in the world that we're in now, where brothers and sisters now start to separate each other, where it's like a war. And it's 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 hurtful because we're all human beings, we're all spirits and souls, and we all have different qualities to offer each other. And to cut off half of humanity because somebody was a jerk or multiple people were a jerk, it's just, it hurts. It hurts on both sides of the table. I couldn't be who I am without my wife and all the women in my life that have mentored me along the way. You know, Mary Callahan, you want to talk about financial people, Mary Callahan Erdos is one of the 10 
most influential people in the world financially. She manages over $2 trillion. And more important, she manages the people at J.P. Morgan. She's a role model for me. I don't go, oh, she's a woman, so I can't learn from her. I mean, it's the dumbest thing in the world. It's like I seek out the diversity, and I know you do too, because we all have different qualities, and you don't have – by the way, not everybody – nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to do and say everything you want the way you want it, and we live in this world. I know today I saw in the news someplace uh, – I don't know, Vince Vaughn was talking to the president of the United States at a football game, and people are going crazy. You know, Ellen's a good friend of mine, really good friend of mine. She's an incredible soul. She's been through more hell than you can imagine. You know, when she mm-hmm. came out, she lost everything she had now she's on top of the world again extraordinary human being she talked to george bush at a football game in dallas like i don't know six months ago and she had this outrage of how could you even talk to this man and he's a republican and he's and he's you know he's he's not into gay marriage and all and she came online i was so proud of her no thanking her just saying what's wrong with you people I'm friends with all kinds of people that don't agree with what I agree, don't believe what I believe. If everybody I agree thinks the same way I do, how am I ever going to grow? So I really admire you in that. But I think specifically, you want to have a diversity of of advisors. You want to dig into what they know and you want to pull that and save yourself time. Yeah. Because listen, you can get more money, but you can't get more time. And if I can learn, you know, a decade's worth of value in, in a few days, I mean, when I had no money, I would not pay my rent in those days because I was like, I can't pay my rent. I've got to pay my rent to go to this event. I was like, well, if I don't go to the event, if I don't learn new things, I'm never going to be able to pay this stuff. So I'd figure out how to do it. And pretty soon I got the knowledge base and the skill base from other people that moved me forward. Whether the man or woman didn't matter, it moved me forward. And that's that's what we all need to keep doing if we want to have the quality of life that we not only deserve for ourselves, but for our families and for our loved ones. Okay, Tony, this brings me to a question I've been dying to ask you. And remember, I didn't use my question up in Fiji. So I feel like now (laughs) is the perfect time to do it. Go for it. So for me, time is my currency, 100%. I am a lifestyle entrepreneur. The way that I value what I do and bring to the table is through a level of freedom. And sometimes when I see you, I find myself questioning, like, why does he keep doing it? Like, it's no doubt that you could retire any day you wanted to. And when I see your schedule and when I talk to you about how vigorous your level of service is and what's required of you to show up that way, I need to know, like, truly, what is it that fuels you when you get out of bed in the morning? It's impact. It's like, you know, I, you know, retire to me, although you retire and you die. I mean, that's women never retire. Even if they retire from the work, they never retire because they care about everything and everyone. So I, I think intuitively every woman knows what I'm talking about. You know, the average man dies five years after retirement. That's the insurance statistics. Because men, work is kind of their identity. Yeah. Women, it's relationships and, and it's everything. Work is relationships, children, family, friends. But for me, it's just like, what else are you going to do with your life? You know, I got everything I could ever imagine thing-wise. And no thing has ever really driven me. I appreciate things, but that's not it. What I love is to see a human being light up. Nothing gives me more joy. And, you know, people stop me every day in my life. I could do nothing. Walk down the street. (laughs) A dozen people come up and tell me these amazing stories, how they changed their life. And, And now it's weird. In the beginning days, it was like, I think I know you. And then it's like, you're Tony Robbins. And it's like, I think you're the real estate guy. It's like, oh, no, 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 that's not me. And then, then it was, oh my God, you changed my life. And it was shallow how. And now people come up like, oh my God, you know, you changed my life. I've been listening to you in some, since I was 14 and they're 50. You know, wow. it's like crazy stuff. So for me, it's impact. I mean, what else are you going to do? Like people say they want to have a, a joyful life. You know, people say, what does it take to be happy? You got to make progress. Progress equals happiness. And progress gives you something. When you grow, you have something to give. And we need to grow and give to feel alive. 
you know, I have to modulate just because I got to take care of my body because I've gotten crazy. I've done this at an unsustainable level. I'm 54 companies. I mean, 12 that I actively manage. But, you know, this last year, I think I went to 104 cities, you know, in 365 days in like 21 countries. But I love seeing the impact and it's never old for me. So I always tell people, if you can find something that you care about more than yourself, you're now fully alive. I mean, I think it was, you know, Martin Luther King says a man or a woman or a human anyway, who hasn't found something they're willing to die for isn't fit to live. That's pretty strong words, but I wouldn't be far off in that. I just like, I know what I'm here, what I'm made for. I know what I love outside my family and dear friends who fortunately are on this mission with me. I'm here to serve the light any way I possibly can. So somebody needs eyesight and I can do something, I'm going to do it. Somebody's starving. I want to not just solve that. I want to try and see, can we feed a billion people? I'm working on a new project where I'm going to announce it in a couple of months and I've got the heads of the UAE and several other governments joining me on it. But we're doing a giant prize, X prize, to feed the next billion people sustainably worldwide. And like these are the types of projects that excite me. So what else are you going to do in your life? Sit on the beach and drink alcohol and watch <laughs> movies? I, I don't know. I, I like it. I can sit on the beach and I can watch movies, but I, you know, I don't drink alcohol. It's not, I'm not a brooder. I'm not into it. I just, but I just can't think of anything else I'd rather do with this life. And I'm, you can tell my passion is just, it's always there. Yeah. And when I'm exhausted, it's still there. It's underneath it. I recover my body and then I go do it again because it's so fulfilling. I think anybody listening to this show and listening to this podcast with you, you have that drive too. I see it in you, but you also have other textures of your life you've learned to incorporate in it. And I've done the same thing. It's like, not like my family suffering. You know, one of my sons is in the coaching business. Another one of my sons, you know, I, we grew three businesses over four years and over a billion dollars together. It's been a blast doing this with him, right? And doing these pieces. So it's like my family's involved, my friends are involved. So I don't have to choose between, you know, I asked Mary Kelly Herodos because she's, you know, she runs JP Morgan. And God knows how many employees they have there. And she is an unbelievable leader. And I said to her, I heard from several people that she picks her kids up from school each day. I thought that was the coolest thing. And so I asked her, I said, what about this work-life balance thing? And she goes, there is no such thing as work-life balance. I said, I agree with you. She said, there's work-life integration. Yeah. And I said, oh man, that's the best language for it. Cause that's what I've done. And so she goes, I integrate it. You know, she goes, when I was a little girl, my dad was in the financial business. He used to bring me to the office. I used to sit in the chair just like this right here. And now my kids come here and she goes, they don't have to be in the business, but we do all this stuff together. Yeah. And I think you don't have to choose between a passion to serve and a passionate way of living. I think they go together. But people, the next question people always ask is like, well, how do I find that passion? I don't have that passion. Yes. The answer is get around where it's, you know, get around different things, different environments, different people, and something's going to hit you. But if you live the same life and you do the same things every day, you're going to have a very hard time finding your passion. Go do some crazy stuff that you think you would never do, or you might not even have an interest to do, or take some things you're interested in doing and shadow somebody for a few days, you know? But the cool thing today is people have their life and business where they start to, you know, maybe they support their family. Like I did, you know, I was doing, you know, I was doing my eight hour normal job, but then I started working as a janitor so I could compress time. But, you know, it's like, okay, from eight to five, I'm going to do this. But what am I going to do from six to two? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you don't need more than six hours, especially when you're young, especially if you've got a mission. And so, you know, I ran two things. And I always tell people, even, even in your business, there's two businesses you got to run, the business you're in and the business you're becoming. Yeah. If you're always thinking about what you're going to do, it's exciting, but then you're going to lose cash flow and not be successful in the business you're in. If you're always just focused on the business you're in, someone's going to eclipse you. So it makes life exciting. It's why, think about it, progress equals happiness. You got to grow. 
Find something that you care about so much it makes you grow. And you might be just doing this for your own family that makes you happen and having more free time with them. Everybody's different. Could just be you have one child that you want to have the greatest life possible. And so you're going to master these things within yourself and you're going to build a business so you have more free time to be with them. Everybody's different, but find out what it is and live it. Mm. Amen to that. And I'm just laughing as you're giving that story because I'm like, here's my baby in Fiji and you're up there talking and I'm like, baby's got to eat. What do we do? Like, how do we figure this out? But I do agree. I think that you can do all the things you love and you just have to integrate and figure out what that looks like for you. And I think a lot of it comes from learning to discern where you're needed most in that moment and just making the best decision yes. when you can. So I love that. And you know what? You just gave the best advice for any mom on the planet because because my respect for women is <laughs> off the charts because you're pulled in so many areas. Like I think men tend to focus on one thing and go full tilt to it. And they think they multitask, but they just won't fool one thing next. But, you know, women have diffuse awareness. You're listening to me right now and feeling what's going on with your baby around the corner here and thinking about the next question and knowing what your husband's doing all one time, right? I, I honor you. But I think even with all that, you can't integrate it. If anyone can integrate it, it's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Men have a more difficult time, but women can. I think so too. I'm with you. Okay. So let's do kind of a flash round, but let's talk about the knowledge business a little bit because we're both in the knowledge business and it looks totally different in the ways that we show up. But some people in my audience might be brand new to this idea, this landscape. And so how would you describe what the knowledge business is? Firstly, it's the fastest growing business I know in the world. I mean, yeah. no business that I know of is doing a half a billion dollars a day and, and geared up to be a billion dollars a day. That at least not one that you and I and the average person get in. Maybe if you're Google or something like that yeah. could be there. So it's a business where you're able to take expertise, either your own or someone else's, and you're able to learn a system, a really simple system that other people have perfected over the decades to make it into a business so that you can now share that. You can share it in a way that allows you to not only have impact, which to me is the biggest thing, but also be able to earn. And you don't have to be the expert to start with it. Like there's there's a realm. There are people that already have an expertise. Like, you know, we've got guys like who's a great tax guy. And he built a really great business and he loves his business. But he, I'm like, I want other tax guys do well. He was, you know, he's young. He wanted to compete with everybody. Now he knows the world. Everybody needs this. And so I like to teach this. How would I do that? How would I do that in a way that doesn't disrupt my current business? I could do it part-time and his part-time business now makes more than his business he's been working on for 30 years, right? Or you got somebody who's like, they're really good in relationships, intimate relationships. And everybody says, how have you done it? And they say, I want to share that. And so they decide they're going to share their own experience or they decide to go report. They decide they're going to interview, you know, 20 or 50 or 500 couples and they're going to find out these distinctions and share that. Or they might say, gosh, I know somebody who's the best teacher around in this area and I'd like to promote them. So the knowledge business has three pieces to it. You can be like, I started as what I would call a knowledge broker. Yeah. Like there were people I respected, I learned so much from and I would tell all my friends about them and they would end up going to their seminars. And I thought, wow, what if I did that full time where I get to be in this environment all the time. Like if I want to live this, if I want to be successful, I have to live this stuff. If you're teaching it and you're working for somebody who's the best in the world and I'm promoting them and I don't know how to promote. I didn't have a system. Like I can give you my system now that it took me literally and, and Dean took him 20 years, took me 40 years. I mean, it's 60 years refined. You can start out with the benefits we have that took us 40 and 20 years to figure out. But the bottom line is you can learn to promote somebody or you can become a reporter of other people's elements. So like I said, I've done this in a modern times, even with my current skill. I knew a lot of people, even though I know a ton of money, 
when I decided to attack this after the 2008 you know, crash and all the insanity and people's lives being destroyed, I got angry. I hadn't written a book in 20 years, and I hate writing. I like speaking better. It's you know, spontaneous and new and different, but it's like, okay, I need to write a book to help the masses. How am I going to do that? Let me go interview the 50 smartest people in the world financially. I don't know I was going to do it, but I got to a couple of them, and they respected what I was doing, and they opened other doors to other ones, and then I wrote this book. And the next thing I know, I got Ray Dalio and Carl Icahn and Warren Buffett. I got endorsements from the Fed chairman saying this is the best book they read. It's, it's currently the highest and best-selling financial book of this century. It's only a 20 years in the century, but that's not bad, right? And then I wrote another one, and now all that grew into multiple other businesses for me. All came from reporting, and now I'm the teacher. So it started from that. Or you can have your own expertise. Like I said, it could be in any area. And you go, I'm going to take what I know and we'll show you how to put that into a format where it is compelling. It's easy. It's fun. It's something you can do on video. It's something you can do with books, something you can do with audio. You could do a mastermind. You can say, I don't even know. I'm going to put a mastermind together with the right people to make this work. So it's any way in which you become a source of real information what we call specified knowledge. You know, if you read Think and Grow Rich, he talked about general knowledge, this whole chapter on specialized knowledge. General knowledge is, if you're looking to have economic growth, forget it. Everybody's got some level of general knowledge. Specified knowledge, where you find a niche, where there's something useful. I mean, look, what did you do? Tell your audience what you did. I'm sure they already know, but I mean, what'd you spend on that camera? You got $300. uh, $300. Tell me, just tell me what you did. Yeah. So I had the $300 camera, started a business, made 50K the first year, scaled to 100K within three years. And I was sitting eating tacos and drinking a margarita with a fellow photographer. And she told me she had to update her resume to get a different job because she couldn't make money. And I was shocked. I was like, how can you not make money? You show up, you take pictures, you edit, you deliver. The cost of entry is so low. Like I was just so shocked. And so I started teaching. I created a course that was awful, but amazing at the same time. (laughs) Grand. And I realized, wow, like I can make what I was making at my corporate job, teaching people what I did to do this. And I think, you know, I want to ask you on this because I know that there are people listening to this right now and they're thinking, well, I don't have a story like that, or I don't have a superpower. Like, what am I an expert in? What would you say to those people? Well, if you don't really, first of all, most people are hard on themselves. And one of the reasons we created this course, as you know, there's a whole section of finding your superpower and people come out of there going, holy shit, I really do have a superpower. We undervalue what we have. But I would say, find something that you think is beautiful, something, some teacher, someone who has an insight and promote them. And we show you how to do it. I mean, literally with our software, how do you structure the course? What do you do? You could take somebody who doesn't even know what they're doing, but they have expertise. And you could run this little business from them for what we do on the software and the training. And then we also work on you psychologically because you know the biggest challenge for people is what's going on in their head. Yeah. And that's my skill set. So when you go through the program, you're systematically learning a little step at a time. It's like one of the biggest problems is people get into business and they don't know what the hell they're doing. That's why 50% of businesses are gone in the first year. 80% fail in five years. In a 10-year period, 4% of businesses make it. When I say make it, it doesn't mean they're profitable. It just means they're still standing. 96% fail. It's because if I was going to go fly an airplane, you don't get in the thing and go, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Try to take the thing off. You go through the education. And so we've created a specified education on how to do these three things. You say you have no skill set. Let us first see if you do. Secondly, then what are you passionate about? Let's find somebody you can build that business with part-time while you're still doing your normal work, or you can go full throttle if you want to do it, or 
let's show you how to take the knowledge you have and let's show you how to build that into a mastermind. Let's show you how to, and you can start small and grow. You know, we have I think over 24,000 people. Last year, we blew up the internet. We did a free program for people for an hour and a half, two hours. 200,000 people showed up. 24,000 people in 80 countries are now participating. Of the 24,000, 22,000 are on our Facebook group. We have 160,000 messages a month of people sharing their results in every area. And the most common thing we hear people say is, I didn't think I had a superpower, or I didn't think anybody would think that what I had was valuable, but oh my God, I did this mastermind and it wasn't even hard. It's fun. And then people learn from each other because we've got a community that's here. But what have you seen in your community? Oh, I've seen everything. And what's been so incredible to me is watching a thousand people who are multifaceted and multi-passionate and different. I mean, we have people teaching macraming and we have people helping parents that have children with disabilities. And we have a man who I know who lost his wife to cancer, who's helping widowed people. We have a woman who's teaching people how to navigate divorce and protect your children. Like it just, it makes me want to cry because it's like, the ripple effect has never been seen so clearly where it's like you pour out your knowledge. I help people implement and change other people's lives. And it's like this visible ripple effect that a lot of times on the internet, you don't see. And when you see it, it just, it transforms everything. Absolutely everything. You know, I, I, my, I know, you know, my core belief is business is a spiritual game. And I know a lot of people go, what? But you think about it, the only way you succeed in business, the only way you succeed in life, in business or finance, is you got to do more for others than anybody else is doing. Yeah. If you add more value, not the value you want to add, the value people need, if you do more for others than anybody else in the marketplace, even if you don't seem to have the skill, you will grow. And like you did, you know, your first course was okay, and you know, and I got bit, but it had so much passion and truth and realness in it, help people. They didn't have anything else. And then you did better and better, and now look at you, you mogul. <laughs> you know? And then, and now, and now, look, we're partners together and changing lives here with all these different areas. And I love you gave a great sense of the diversity because there is a subject you know something about. If you've been through divorce and it was painful, and you actually learned something from it, you could help people. Yeah. And people don't think that that could become a business, but how many people get divorced every year? Well, first of all, 50% of marriages, unfortunately, end up in divorce. You have a disabled child and you know how to raise them and make something happen. Imagine you don't have to leave that child and you've got to have a business running, but also one that's fulfilling. To me, it's like, that's why I say business is a spiritual game. The more people you help, the better you do. And sometimes it's the depth. You don't have to more people. It's just the depth of what you help. Oh, yeah. And someone is facing something like, you know, like being widowed. I mean, I deal with this all the time. And you're able to say, I went through this. I'm on the other side. And here's what I've done. And let me show you and walk you through the steps. And let's do a mastermind with other people that have done it, that made it to the other side. Think of that how it make you feel beyond anything economic and to have your economics grow or to be able to have that even be full time where you don't have to do anything else, but what you love. I mean, that's how you become an expert. It's a step at a time. But the thing people need, the reason it's impossible is they need their hands held. They need a step at a time that they can do. They need a system that's proven both, you know, for how to figure out what it is to how to figure out how to build it into a program or a mastermind, to how to market it and how to then push a button and do that, how to have the website be built for you. We've tried to walk through every single step of this, as you know, and along the way, be your friend and be your coach to help you psychologically and emotionally, because we all have uncertainties. We all have, oh my God, what am I doing? And can I really do this? That's human nature. But you know, it's human nature to give up too for a lot of human beings, but you don't have to. Yeah. We can show you how to overcome that. It's building a different set of muscles and anyone can do it a little step at a time. 
I think one of the most beautiful pieces that has come out of the Knowledge Business Blueprint is seeing people be liberated by the things that they felt were holding them back. Like, I don't know a successful person who's had an easy past. And I think a lot of times we let that be the thing, the reason. It can either be the reason why you never move forward or it can be the thing that sets you free. And I think watching people recognize that the experiences, the things that have happened to them are actually things that can impact not just themselves, but the world. It's like, it just sets everything on fire. It's amazing. I wouldn't be here. You know, I often, you know, some people said to me, oh, you're abused as a child. I, said, I don't look at it that way. It was a painful childhood. There were, you know, there were some wild moments and experiences but if my mom had been the woman I'd hoped she'd been, if she'd been the mother I'd wanted her to be, I wouldn't be the man I'm proud to be. And I sure as hell wouldn't be. You know, if I hadn't not had food, would I be feeding a billion people? Hell no. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not that I'm such a good human being. It's just like, I know what it feels like to suffer, so I don't want anybody else to. And I figured out how to navigate all that stuff. And it's because I've actually navigated and it's not BS, I can help other people navigate it as well. And as we all grow, we have more and more lessons in our life that we learn. And more and more than, to me, it's like anytime I'm going through a tough time, Jenna, I go really something that seems overwhelming. My mantra in my head is, okay, I'm not the only person that's ever experienced this. I figured this out and I'm going to help millions of other people figure this out. It's like, it gives you a lot more motivation than just solving your own problem, you know? And so we all have that opportunity here. And I just think it's beautiful that you've been nurturing these women that are followers of yours and edu being educated by you to realize they don't have to settle and that you may have tried 20 other things. They didn't work. If I told you how many things I tried that failed, you'd be like, we'd be on this phone for another hour or two. Right. But it's like, one thing I don't do is I don't look in the rearview mirror. It's like, you know, you're trying to drive in the future using the rearview mirror. You're going to crash, right? There's no way you're going to make it. So you got to let go of that past and just go, this moment is new. I don't care how many times I've tried it. This is a new moment. And as you start to look at it, you start to see, yeah, well, I was doing the same version of something. It doesn't work. It's like, that's why you pursue self-education. That's why you pursue people that have done it, not done it once. Anybody can do something once and get lucky. That's the other problem. Some people, oh, I did it. You know, I lost 30 pounds. And you see them three years later and they're back overweight again, you know, or I've, I've made this money and now they're broke. I look for people that can sustain results over a decade or more. Now, you know, okay, they know something other people don't know. And I want to know what that is. They're not lucky. They're doing things differently than I am. And I'm going to figure out what that is. And once I know, I can get the same result. Because if you sow the same seed, you'll reap the same rewards. It doesn't matter gender or color or background or religion or what country you live in. I have a confession to make. <laughs> What's that? I joined the Knowledge Business Blueprint because I wanted to see how you guys did it. Like when Dean, <laughs> when Dean asked That's me, great. you were in Puerto Rico and it was before you had launched and he's like, Hey, can you just take a look at this program? I want to know what you think about it. And I was like, heck yes. I just want to reverse engineer what they've done. And then I started watching it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like changing my life. And I think it's so funny because a lot of times we go into something and we're like, even just taking the course to see how it was built is worth every penny. And I think a lot of people miss opportunities like that. But what's incredible to me is that taking it a year ago and then retaking it again this year, the takeaways are entirely different because we're constantly growing as human beings and we're constantly evolving. And the woman I am today is entirely different than the woman I was a year ago. And I think that's what's so beautiful about education is you can hear something 10 times and take something totally different away. And with online education, you actually have that opportunity. 
Well, you know, when I, when I worked for Jim Rohn, and so I'm aging myself again because there was no internet, you couldn't do those things. And I remember he said, Tony, I told him a bunch of problems I had. And he goes, Tony, there's a book you should read. I said, what is it? He goes, it's a book called Think and Go Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I said, I read that book. I'll never forget. He paused a long, you know, he didn't talk at my tempo. He did long pauses. It was a super long pause. He stared at me and one of his gray eyebrows went up and he said, how many times? <laughs> I said, how many times what? He goes, how many times did you read the book? I said, once. He goes, that's obvious. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He goes, I read the book two dozen times. You read it once. I'm rich, you're poor. Any clues? Yes. Right? And so it's like, but you know what's so nice is we keep growing. So we're going to have this event. We're going to do another free event for everybody and educate people. And then if people want to be involved with our course, we've updated the course too with some new technology, new content for me and, and also from our whole team, but also some new technology, like how to set up your website automatically, how to do some of this marketing automatically. We just, technology has made things so freaking easy and we've invested heavily to upgrade that. So I'm excited for you to experience the new course as well as the new tech that's behind it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tony, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for just sharing your brilliance and your heart. And I cannot wait to see what we do this year. Me too. I look forward to seeing Fiji again. Take good care of yourself. I will. And that family. Mm -hmm. God bless. Thanks, Tony. Bye-bye. You know what I loved about this chat? So many things, really, but a few moments stuck out. I really appreciated Tony calling himself out, admitting that his style just isn't for everyone. And I think that level of awareness only makes me more eager to learn from him. And that discussion of finding what's valuable inside of you, so good. Hearing about that teacher who first helped him identify his gift of speaking and capturing an audience... It made me reflect back on my own story. Like, when did I first realize that I could serve the world with the valuable knowledge that I'd been keeping all locked up inside? I mean, I personally think it came in stages for me. And I would bet that you're on that very same journey that both Tony and I, we've been on. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're at a pivotal moment. You are so close to unlocking that value and nailing it down, giving it a name and calling it your superpower. Like I know it, I know it in every fiber of my being. The Knowledge Business Blueprint might be the next step forward for you in that journey, the next stage in realizing that you have something to offer and you're doing the world a disservice by not putting it out there. But I can only point you in the right direction and show you the tools that have helped me and send you on your way. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com.